Welcome to the Intuitively You podcast, where we chat all things intuitive eating, body image, finding peace with food, and so much more. I'm your host, Jen Baswick, intuitive eating dietitian and embodiment coach, and I'm your guide along your journey to food freedom so that you can improve your relationship with food and your body to no longer hold you back from living your best, most fulfilling life. We'll be chatting about all the real talk, the tips and tricks, the struggles, and most importantly, how you, yes you, can finally find peace with food and your body. After each episode, I'll be sure to wrap it up with some takeaways for you to implement in your life, so make sure to stick around until the end. Now, let's dive into today's episode. Hey, we are here with Elizabeth Hall. I'm so excited to have this chat. I think it will be a great one to shed some light on things that we might, you know, skim over or not think about or whatever, you know, might come up for you, for the listeners. But yeah, welcome, Elizabeth. I'm excited to have you here. Thank you, Jen. Thanks for having me on the show. I'm excited. Yeah, me too, for sure. And I mean, to paint the scene a little bit. Would you be, you know, so kind to share with us a little bit about your journey, a little bit about you, kind of um, what you do, just whatever you'd like to share from that standpoint, giving a a little background on yourself, that would be awesome. Sure, I would love to. So I'm a uh, professional certified mind, body, eating and intuitive wellness coach. And what all that means is that I'm basically a life coach who supports women in healing their relationships with food and body. And I came to this work like so many others through my own journey where I went on my first diet at 12 and then I turned around, you know, just a short 30 years later and thought there's got to be a different way of living when it comes to my food and my body. And it took me that long to kind of have that awareness, have that awakening and that moment where I was like, I'm seeing this wrong. There's something about this I'm not seeing. And that was profound as can be expected. And then I've spent the last decade really diving into that, really trying to unpack that from all different angles. Um, And it's been, as they say, it's a journey, but it's been so wildly um, empowering that Mm. I went into coaching because I thought, gosh, how can people not know this? People need to know this information. Um, My first job was as an actuary. So I spent 20 years as an actuary in my head doing numbers, Mm. you know, studying for exams for a full almost decade to get that, you know, to get that professional um, designation. And then I walked away from it because it did not bring me joy. It did not fulfill me. Um, I was good at it. I was told, you know, this is something you are good at. So maybe this is an avenue you could go into. But and to me, I I mentioned that because it's so similar to the food path. It's it's really where have you just started following things because people told you that's the way to go. And where do you pause and start to choose what actually works for you? Mm, that's such a, a good, you know, parallel example to give of 
where are we just following the shoulds or what society or others around us are telling us is the best way to go or the best thing to do. And we're just almost like skipping over what deep down our authentic self might be asking us for or wanting or desiring because the shoulds and messages or however they come are, you know, overpowering maybe our intuition. So yeah, I love that. So kind of these like awakening aha moments have happened for you in a couple of different areas. (laughs) Yeah. Yeah. I mean, it it all kind of started at the same time. There was kind of sort of Mm -hmm. a pop where I was like, okay, I've checked the boxes. Mm -hmm. I've gotten the career. I got married. I had my kids. I got the dog. I got the house. And I literally was like, is this it? Am I done? Mm -hmm. And I think I was about age 36 at that time. And I was, I was like, not that I'm not grateful for what I have, because it is what we're told we should want. But I never along the way really dove into what do I want? What makes me feel good? I was so disconnected. So again, that's why I find this work so um, important, Mm -hmm. so that we can really connect with what feels good to us on so many levels, mind, body, spirit. Mm, yeah wow and I yeah that example of like checked all the boxes did all the things but still feeling unfulfilled Mm -hmm. is you know and I think if we're talking parallels I can see even that example come from um, diet culture right like did the diets maybe Mm -hmm. like changed my body lost the weight but probably you know get it back anyways but like got to that point still unhappy, still not confident, still not feeling fulfilled. I was told that if I did those things, I would be my most confident self. I would be like all these wonderful, happy, like finally made it kind of situation. But those almost like those external things isn't really that it doesn't like hit the way that we we wish it would, or we were hoping for it to, but yeah, I just, I think that's an interesting, um, you know, parallel there too, of like, we thought we wanted it, but it actually didn't bring us the joy and fulfillment that we thought it would. Yeah, absolutely. I mean, during that 30 years where I was quote unquote dieting, people would have called me a successful dieter in that I wasn't gaining and losing, I was actually pretty much staying in the same range, Mm -hmm. but always felt like it wasn't enough. It never felt like it was enough. It never, no matter what the size was, whether it was up 10, down 10, it never felt good enough. And that's the piece that I, that's one of the big pieces I was missing was, um, again, the connection more to myself. I was just Mm -hmm. connected to be a certain weight, be a certain size. That's what's going to bring you the happiness or have a certain job, have a certain relationship, that's what's going to bring you the happiness. Mm -hmm. Um, And it isn't true. It's not true at all. So that was a lot to unpack Mm -hmm. when it kind of hit me all at once that none of these things are actually true. Yeah. Um, It's like all of your beliefs and world around you is just like shattered and you're like, what? (laughs) What is going on? Yeah. 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 And that's really what that like those pivotal moments or if we want to call them like awakenings, like that's what they feel like. It feels like the rugs being pulled out from under you and you're like, wow, I can't unsee this, but like, holy, (laughs) it feels like a lot. So yeah. Yeah. Thank you for sharing that. And I, Mm -hmm. um, I definitely really strongly believe that 
this relationship with food work isn't just about the food. Like it kind of stems over all into everything. Like you were saying, like mind, body, spirit. So it's cool to see the ripple effects almost of like going through these types of journeys and how it can impact how you feel just as a human. So, yeah. Yeah, I definitely, I was going on sort of a spiritual awakening path and I was working on the food stuff. Mm -hmm. So I would be in a class that was about maybe intuitive eating or something like that. And then I'd be in this other class that was maybe about the chakras or (laughs) um, some kind of meditation or something. And I used to think they were very oddly paired. And I used to think, well, that's so strange. I'm doing this very tangible, cerebral food thing over here. And I'm doing this kind of wild out there thing on the other side. And then I realized it's just all the same. It's it's all the energies that run our relationship with food come from actually the spiritual grounding, but then they run through everything. So after a while, I started to see that it is, it's just all connected. Mm. Yes. Yeah. I love that. And you know, we share the same (laughs) view on that as well. And um, we'll, we'll definitely dive into it a little bit more later, but Elizabeth and I, you know, had a chat for the Body Confident Women Summit um, that she's hosting, which is super exciting about, you know, that topic and intuitive eating and how it relates to our mindset and like what the parallels are with the kind of like spiritual woo-woo stuff and what that looks like and the whole journey and everything juicy about it. <laughs> I loved that conversation. So I'm excited about that, but we'll we'll get into that more a little bit later. <laughs> so, sure. but yeah, I love that stuff as well and how it's like it's t- bringing in all parts of us, right, mm-hmm. into this and, and considering all parts of us along along the journey. Yeah. Yeah. Definitely. Amazing. Yeah. And speaking of that journey, it can be mm-hmm. one that is super rocky <laughs> sometimes. It can feel yeah. like we're walking through the trenches. We don't know which way the light at the end of the tunnel is. And it can feel like you know, we're trying the things, but not maybe getting anywhere, or we just have these ups and downs, which is normal in a journey. But what we wanted to chat about in this episode and kind of shed light on is more like of the, what we would call maybe like mistakes or like pitfalls or downfalls that that people fall into when it comes to intuitive eating and Mm -hmm. improving your relationship with food and how to kind of overcome some of these pitfalls, mistakes, and what what to do with them. So I'm excited to talk about those and see what your perspective is on, um, yeah, those common mistakes that people might fall into when it comes to intuitive eating. So what would you say would be the most common ones, which I know is probably hard to distill down into um, just a few, but yeah, what are your thoughts? Sure. Yeah. I'd love to talk about this because this was my experience. So, and I guess I, I was also thinking not a, so much that they're mistakes, but that they're just lack of awarenesses that, yeah, exactly. Um, because there, as we know, there are no mistakes, really. Mm-hmm. Everything is here to teach us something, but, um, I I realized as I went into intuitive eating, there were some major things I wasn't aware of that would have made my journey a little smoother. Mm-hmm. And again, that's kind of why I share what I share, because I'm hoping to sort of just shine some light on it. And so if somebody kind of sees themselves falling into the same trap, then yeah. maybe they'll know what to do. But one of those traps was... Um, 
approaching the intuitive eating process the same way that I would approach the diet process mm. where I would read up on everything but then try to convince myself to that I had to do it the way the person I was following was doing it or because this is something that happens in both spaces. And mm -hmm. I just took that same mentality and I put it on the non-diet space. So bought all the books that everybody was re referencing. I bought, followed all the people, watched all the, you know, um, YouTube videos, listened to podcasts. And, and it was insightful and amazing. And I was learning so much. However, I was still overriding anything of my own intuition in that because mm -hmm. I felt like, okay, here's the paradigm shift. And now I have to, if I'm going to do it right, because I'm still in the mindset of doing it right, then I've got to follow the steps that they say are right. Mm. And that, again, was just leading me further away from my intuition. So even though it seems yeah. like I made a pivot towards something that was more intuitive, I was still just trying to do it right by mm. following other people's steps. Wow. Um, and so yeah. I found that to be one of one of the bigger traps. Um, the yeah. other trap was giving myself full permission to eat in the intuitive framework without actually understanding what was driving any of my behaviors to even eat in the first place. Um, so I found that to be another sort of lack of awareness on my part. I just did mm. not understand what was driving why I ate what I ate and when I ate and all of those things. And then I would say the third piece that had a really big impact on my journey was just not being aware of how disconnected and disembodied I was. So I really wasn't in my body. And yet I was trying to go to my body for signals. And I was trying to, to talk to my body and listen to my body. And it was nearly impossible because I just wasn't in my body. I was still very much in my head and I was mm -hmm. operating from this head space of analyzing and data gathering and not mm -hmm. in a heart or body space. So yeah. those yeah. were three big ones on my journey that I fell into and pulled myself out of, but also learned mm -hmm. a lot along the way with each one of those. Mm, I love all of these and I would love to dive into each of them more because I think there's so much goodness and like like you said not like mistakes but more so shedding light on the awareness of these things and how it can hold you back without yeah. having that awareness right mm -hmm. so yeah. yeah just okay. bringing awareness to what our minds just take us towards without us being maybe more intentional or like seeing what's going on. And yeah, all of these are fantastic, I will say. And I'm excited to hear, like, I know you said they've been um, pieces of your journey too. And I would love to get into like more depth with each of these and maybe how you kind of you found your way through it once you realized and had the awareness of okay that's what i'm doing all oh, right like how do we kind of process and turn that around so that it's no longer holding you back and yeah and i think like it, that first one too how 
we can approach intuitive eating the way we approach dieting and diet culture. I see so many people doing this in, in my practice. And it's like hard because our brains want the answers. Our brain wants the roadmap. Tell me exactly what to do. I will follow it and then I will have the thing. But that's not necessarily the point of this work. And my, you know, favorite phrase that I like to use with clients is reminding them like, I am not the expert of what's right for you. You are the expert of what's right for you. I'm just your guide to help you to tap in back into that inner wisdom. But it can feel really hard to to be able to use that intuition after being so rigid in Mm -hmm. dieting and restrictions and meal plans or whatever you've tried. It can be tricky to just be like, okay, I can trust my intuition. What even is my intuition in this sense? I've not heard it. I've just been following rules and checking boxes. So yeah. yeah, tell and me more about this one. <laughs> well, and that's where that's where all three of these are are really connected because yeah, all three of totally. them are different ways that I was disconnected. Yes, so true. I was I in this first one, I was disconnected from trusting my own self mm-hmm. in any way because yeah. again, diet culture definitely takes you away from that trust. There was there was nothing in that world that told me that I could trust myself. Mm -hmm. And so when I went to non-diet culture, I still didn't have any belief that I could trust myself. Um, And so I was questioning myself all the time, like, is this really the right thing to do? Am I taking the right steps? And then I would look at people who maybe were experiencing something that I wanted to experience. And so I would think maybe I should do it that way. Mm -hmm. And again, I don't think that's a bad thing if you are in that with sort of a curiosity mindset or an experimentation mindset um, or even just an exploration mindset. I think that can be fun. But what I would do is sort of torture myself with trying to do it exactly like everybody else was doing it, having moments where I was like, well, this part doesn't feel good to me at all, but maybe then I'm doing it wrong or there's Mm -hmm. something bad about me. I would just internalize that because that was just so common. That was just, and again, this, this almost doesn't have anything to do with dieting either. It's just the way I operated. And I Mm. just didn't understand my own operating system. I didn't understand my rigidity. I didn't understand why I did the things the way I did them. Mm. And so, um, again, I just, I kept trying to put myself in to be the perfect non-diet example where I did everything the way, and that's impossible. It's everybody (laughs) has their own interpretation of how that's going to play out. And it's very nuanced uh, along the spectrum, but I would listen to all the different voices and try to, you know, in some way, please all of them with what I was doing. And Mm -hmm. that just, just doesn't work. And it's exhausting. Mm -hmm. Um, And that's where I really had to work on shifting the mindset um, to just a have the awareness that that's what I was doing. Mm -hmm. And then be really tapping into that self-compassion aspect Mm -hmm. where, Um, I just understood that there was something I wanted and there was something I wanted to experience and that was okay. And it was okay to be exploring all these different things. And it's also okay to say, and that one didn't work for me or, and no, I don't agree with that one or no, that one doesn't work for me. 
and it doesn't make me a bad person and it doesn't make me wrong and it doesn't make them wrong. It's just, I had to find my own way and trust my own path. Um, one of the examples I'll use often is uh, sort of when you're in the intuitive eating space and then you start moving into gentle nutrition. Well, there's a lot of books out there that um, the non-diet space would probably frown on because they might be overly healthist. I've, I've heard that word used, or they might be a little too focused on um, well-being in a way that seems diet culture-y. Um, but I had to acknowledge that I'm super interested in health and wellness too, not just moving away from diets. Yeah. So I gave myself permission to buy all the books that just spoke to me. I just stopped trying to live it exactly like the people in the books were living it. And I started to learn how to take the little nuggets that felt good to me or that maybe had something to do with my circumstances and my experience um, and not use it to judge myself but use it to set up maybe some of those experiments and see how I felt about things. Mm. But without feeling bad that, oh my gosh, now I'm buying a book that's like not on the non-diet preferred reading list. Or what if somebody saw what I was reading? Or, you know, am I a bad person because I still want to feel better in my body and right now I'm not. So I really want to keep exploring that. So yeah, I just had to, in essence, give myself permission to pursue what felt good to me. It just was coming from a much more compassionate mind space. Mm, I absolutely love this conversation because I think, you know, what you just shed light on there with the example of gentle nutrition and transitioning into that. Yes, we do want to do some foundational pieces of healing your relationship with food before getting to that point and maybe jumping into that stuff just for the sake of, you know, healing that disordered behavior mm -hmm. um, and being able to open up and have a more open mindset to look at things without it turning into self-judgment and shaming if we're not doing it the way that someone else says, right? Because if we get too quick into that, then we'll just go right back to that self-shaming behavior. So we want to, you know, do that intentionally, of course, but I also love this aspect of what nuggets of all of these things is my intuition like pulling me towards? What yeah. is my body and mind and soul like asking me for mm -hmm. here? And how can I explore things without labels? Mm -hmm. Because I think that that is something that often happens with any space. But if we're talking diet culture versus the non-diet space, you know, shame comes from both sides sometimes, yes. right? And I don't think that that is helpful. And I think something that I, you know, support my clients in when we're exploring this type of thing is there's no, you know, say like nutrition information out there or like nutrition decision or whatever food to have or not like things to try that is inherently bad or going to I guess, knock you off your intuitive eating journey, not it itself, like the food or whatever we're talking about when it comes to nutrition, it's the intention behind it. 
Yeah. What's the intention behind that? Is it coming from a place of, I want to support my body to feel energized or whatever um, that intention is? Or is it like, I need to restrict myself because I was told I should and I need my body to be smaller. So let's like keep it as small as possible and do this full, you know, thing in pursuit of this restriction to myself from a more um, self-hatred, self-shaming lens or intention. So that I think is the um, maybe the nuance there. Yeah, that's definitely the same message that I share with clients is I use the word energy. So it's what Mm, is the energy you're bringing to to the choices that you're making? Does it feel expansive? Does mm-hmm. it feel freeing? Does it feel exciting on some level? Or does it feel like it's putting you in a box that it is rigid? Mm-hmm. Um, the other thing that I just found fascinating to to realize for myself is rigid and then permissive can just be other sides of the coin so in, in a disordered eating space. So I was yeah. rigid to a place that was not good for my mental health. But then I also became permissive, but I was still not really taking care of my mental health or my emotional well-being. And I really wasn't understanding what was driving me. So I just flipped sides, but I hadn't really healed anything yet. And again, that's that got me stuck for years. So mm-hmm. that's why I like to share about that. because, yeah. And like you said, there was so much shame about it because there was also shame that said, I'm I now I'm still not doing this right. Okay. I couldn't do the diet thing right. And now I'm not doing this right either. And I'm gonna let people down. And maybe I joined a group of, you know, super high-powered practitioners in this space. And I, I wanted to please them just as much as I wanted to please people in sort of the diet space. Mm. And I, I had to let go of that. And it's still hard. It's it's a challenge because um you know, there's so many beautiful messages out there and I align with those. And then there are some that are still not as supportive for me. And I have to to know that that's a choice I can make for myself and only I can make those choices and everybody else gets to make the choices that work for them. Mm-hmm. Yeah. Wow. I love the idea of looking at it from an energy feeling standpoint of using that as almost like your intuitive filter of, okay, how does this way of approaching things or this decision feel in my body or to like my system? Am I feeling expansive or constricted or rigid or what's the feeling of that? And using that as more of like a compass than who's telling me what to do and what the right way is. So, yeah. yeah. And I think that point about the same or a, what's what is it the different different side of the same coin kind of thing yeah kind of the restrictive to the mer- permissive yeah 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 and that i think surmised is the all or nothing yeah right like absolutely. we're either all in on this restrictive side dieting following all the rules whatever or we're all overboard on just whatever like we're gonna have all the things with nothing no intention behind it it's just like this free-for-all and yeah. that is all or nothing and neither side is helpful or supportive and especially when we're not exploring what's going on and how we're feeling and why things are happening and being able to work on those pieces that we require 
for our healing. So yeah, I think that's yeah. a good one too, because I think a lot of people, a lot of people listening will relate to that of going from that place of all the restrictions to nothing at all. And that feeling super overwhelming and not good either. Yeah. So yeah. 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 And that was my, my second sort of new awareness was that right. I had mo moved into full permission, but without understanding my own drivers and motivations. Yep. So that's where I really, I had sort of been on the right track with that, but I, I lost it when I tried to go whole hog into what I thought was the sort of main tenets of the paradigm that I needed to follow. And at that point, I kind of let go of my own exploratory path and was trying to follow the rules again. I had jumped right back into rule following. And so I, then I started to realize, like, it was kind of a big aha moment for me when I was like, well, wait a minute, why did I go on a diet in the first place? Like at 12, it's not like somebody came up to me and put a meal plan under my nose and said, here, you can go on this diet and you'll be a better person. I actually asked my parents to take me to a nutritionist to put me on a diet and, but the reason was I was uncomfortable in my body and I had to go back and explore, well, where did that come from? Because that's where the real root of things is, is when did I start feeling uncomfortable in my body and why, and what were the different pieces that were a part of that? So I had to back it up. Like I had to go way back from before 12 and go back to recognizing that, you know, very much like many people with food as an issue, I was just an uber sensitive kid. And the way that I would soothe and comfort myself was always with food. And so that was, and so the reason I always got commentary from like family members and whatnot was because they saw that. They saw that I was always going for food. I was always standing by the food. I was always eating the food. I was always, and it didn't have anything to do with my body size as much as it, you know, they could see that there was some kind of connection there that maybe wasn't serving me. Um, and so they would make comments on, you know, how frequently I was at the onion dip at Christmas time because onion dip is delicious. Um, <laughs> yeah. But it's it. So it's a combination of this. I'm using food to soothe. I'm getting comments from other people. I'm feeling uncomfortable in my body. Oh, my God, here comes puberty. Like, everything gets all mishmashed together. I'm about to go to a new school in high school. And obviously I was then used dieting to step in as another coping mechanism, as another way of trying to bring some control to something. Mm -hmm. But until I understood where the roots of that was coming from, I wasn't really healing the right places. Like now my work is to keep going back to that young person who still has a neural pathway that says, go to food whenever you are stressed, whenever you are feeling abandoned, when you're feeling lost, lonely, sad, angry, whatever it is, go to food. Um, and that neural pathway was strong. Um, and dieting actually, I think, helped because it it took that neural pathway. It just had a different um, set of behaviors. So it's like, okay, now I'm going to focus on this and that's going to be my soothing and my comfort. But when I let go of that, all of that other behavior came right back in. So here I am like age 42, letting go of the dieting and then floods in all of the 
you know, not having any idea what to do with my real emotions, because they'd also been sort of restrained by the diet behavior. And here they all are. And now I'm giving myself full permission to eat. And I, you know, I'm just, I'm not feeling good in my body or in my mind or in my emotions. So working on the emotional piece became one of my new things that I had to explore as part of the work. Yeah. Wow. Yeah. And that is such an important piece is figuring out and exploring what is driving what's going on. Like what is that driver? And it sounds like for you, like really at its core was a lot of emotional coping pieces and very common to use food as a soothing, you know, coping skill because it's quote unquote easy. It's easy to just eat food and feel better, even if it's only in the short term. It does give that like quicker, oh, that made me feel better, even if it was just for like a second, Mm -hmm. right? It's pretty instant gratification when we can soothe with food. But, you know, we don't know that until we take a look at it and explore like what is really beneath this. And it's not because I think I find a lot of people thinking about their journey and and what their struggles are and just thinking something's wrong with me, Mm -hmm. right? I'm the problem. I am flawed. It is me. When in reality, if we really look at it and peel back the layers, like you're just like all these parts of you are just trying to help yourself and support yourself and feel safe and really protect different parts of you or, you know, whatever it is, maybe soothe your whole system is trying to help you. Like your body's Mm -hmm. not working against you, even though it feels like it is sometimes it's trying to work with you. And then like the example you gave Elizabeth, it was like, made me think of almost like inner child work and and going back to that inner child where you can kind of see like, oh, this seems like a moment when things kind of started and how can I give that part of me so much love and compassion because they were scared. They didn't know what to do. And, you know, this seemed like the best option. And now that became, as we know, like neural pathways get really strong when we're young. Um, Those like foundational neural pathways are pretty strong and they're hard to turn around, but it's possible, right? Yeah. Um, But yeah, really like our, our inner children yeah and their needs are so important and i rejected that hard for yeah. years cuz i was like inner child what is that all about <laughs> i was like i had a very um you know i had a very privileged upbringing so what the hell did i have to complain about i always had a roof over my head i always had a meal on the table i had clothes i had parents who were supporting me paying for my education things like that uh, so, you know, this idea that I had some wounded inner child, I I literally flat out rejected that for several years. And every time somebody would try to take me into some inner child meditation, <laughs> I would either fall asleep or just not be able to go there or be rolling my eyes in the back of my head mm-hmm. until I realized that, oh, my gosh, that is literally one of the keys to my healing, because there is a little five year old in there who's sad and terrified and angry and has all of these emotions that she has never let out. Um, and they're still coming up now. Um, and yeah. it's it's still part of the, un, you know, un, unveiling 
Um, and, and then I started to realize how important that piece was to the work because mm -hmm. it's, it's foundational for mm -hmm. sure. Yeah, totally. And I, I think, you know, in that sense too, sometimes these things that, that can be so, uh, foundational and supportive and transformational for us, we aren't ready for them until mm -hmm. we're ready for them. Yeah. And then we can dive into it. Right. Like mm -hmm. I, I think back to me when I was stuck in diet culture and dieting, if someone in that point in time, when I was still on the train of like, I can do this, I can control things. I got this. I just got to figure it out. And I'm so gung ho to figure it out and to control food. If someone at that point in time brought intuitive eating into my world, I'd laugh at them. Mm -hmm. I would be like, mm -hmm. whatever. Yeah, right. Like, in what world is that possible? Like, I wouldn't have been ready for it then. Yeah. I had to get to the point where I was like, no, I'm done. Mm -hmm. I'm miserable. I can't do this anymore with food and I need something different. I had to get to that point to be able to be like, uh -huh, this intuitive eating thing. That sounds like a breath of fresh air. I'm down. Let's yeah. try that. So, and, yeah. and I had to get there on both sides. So I had to get there mm -hmm. on the diet side. And then on the non-diet side, again, I still hadn't healed all the layers beneath it. So yeah. I still got to a place where I was like, I am still uncomfortable. I still feel mm -hmm. like I'm doing this wrong. That I still haven't reached that sort of nirvana of feeling at peace. Um, and that's when I had to really go into those foundational layers, which was the emotional regulation and the mm -hmm. inner child work and understanding my story and my motivations and bringing more awareness and self-compassion to yeah. what I had experienced in my relationship with food and body. And then it started to kind of loosely move me towards that peaceful middle ground. Mm, so. Yeah, yeah. Yeah, I love describing it as like a foundation. Mm -hmm. Like our system needs to feel safe and supported in order for us to make change and, and move forward and explore things, right? Yeah. And if our system at its core is unsafe and feeling scared and unsteady, then it can feel really hard to make, you know, meaningful, lasting change. Yeah. Mm -hmm. And that's a beautiful tie into the third one where I said I was felt disconnected and disembodied yes. because yeah. I did not have that foundational safety piece, mm -hmm. which is why I now have a sticky on my wall that just says safety first. Like that, like I when love that, seeing you look at it. Because it's, it's right there. Like <laughs> yeah, when that awesome. landed one day, I was yeah. like, you cannot heal and then thrive mm -hmm. until you have safety. Safety has mm -hmm. to be first. And it doesn't mean you can't kind of work on maybe all the pieces at the same time, but um, that's when I realized that that inner child work was really important and that grounding and connecting to my body was really important um, and doing all the things, you know, whether it was, and again, there's so many different ways this can happen, whether it's mm -hmm. meditation, whether, I mean, meditation and yoga, I think are some of the popular ways that people are kind of come back to their bodies and connect to them. Mm -hmm. I know breath work is another popular one, but there's so many different ways that we can do it. Um, and that's, yeah. that's going to give you those um, knowings, those awarenesses about how to discern what is right for you on the path. So mm -hmm. um, if, if you're not in your body and then you're trying to listen to your body, it doesn't work so well. <laughs> yeah, And then you only have sure. your mind to rely on. So yeah. And our mind yeah. likes to play tricks on us. Oh, yeah, absolutely. 
Absolutely. Yeah. Yeah. Wow. Yeah. That last piece of feeling very disconnected from our body and not being embodied and Mm -hmm. in our body and being able to, you know, hear even like hear it, listen to it. Like if we can't hear our body and be with it, how do we expect to honor those signals when we can't even hear them? Right. And like what, whether it comes to classic, you know, intuitive eating hunger and fullness, that's similar to like, if your body is in the state of not feeling safe, you're not going to feel those signals of hunger and fullness, but same goes for your needs and your emotions and what's right for you and which things to, you know, maybe try or what's going to feel best for your body. Like you're not going to hear that information if your body is just trying to stay alive. Yeah. Absolutely. And that's where I think it was so helpful to recognize that in diet culture, I was being taught to judge my body and I was being taught to try to kind of control it from the outside in. And so I did have to clear that layer away. But then I had to also realize, well, I'm still not in my body because I actually don't want to feel the yucky emotions that are in here. I don't want to touch the pain and the sadness and the abandonment and the loneliness because that doesn't feel good. So I also had to understand what I was kind of avoiding. Mm -hmm. And then there's this whole huge nervous system piece where I didn't realize how dysregulated I was. And again, I think our culture teaches us to be dysregulated with hustle, work harder, you know, don't sleep, brag about how busy you are, all these different ways that just keep us out of our bodies and in a, you know, a nervous system dysregulation. So that was really huge too. I never understood why meditation was so important, Mm. why yoga and breath work, why slowing down was so important. And I would just kind of poo poo that as, you know, um, not very important because it's not very interesting because it seems kind of boring and slow Mm -hmm. because again, I was taught, you know, Oh, work hard, sweat a lot, move fast, get your heart rate up. Like these are the things that make a vibrant, healthy human, not sitting for 10 minutes breathing. Mm -hmm. So it, it took a lot to sort of reroute all that and also to take the time to do it long enough to experience the benefit, which then it just becomes perpetuating because it's, it's feels so good that it then starts to just be something you naturally want to do, not Mm -hmm. something you're kind of putting on your to-do list. So, yeah, it's a big paradigm shift, right? And you're right. Like our society is so hustle, go, 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 get it done, do the thing. And whether that comes to just general productivity, or even like you were touching on when it comes to our health and our bodies, like just try harder, push yourself Mm -hmm. harder, do the harder Mm -hmm. thing, go fast, like all Mm -hmm. of that. What if that's not what we need? And I would say that's probably not what we need. Maybe a little touch of that might feel good to you. Cool. Mm -hmm. But how can you regulate your system and your nervous system? Because that's where the juices. That's Mm -hmm. where profound shifts will come from. And I love the point of, you know, that stuff seeming boring because it 
it kind of is. It's not as stimulating as the fast, the go, 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 the like quick dopamine hits of all the other things that are more fast paced because it is a more slow pace. And that can mm -hmm. feel almost uncomfortable when we're not oh, used yeah. to it to just like sit and meditate for 10, 15, 20, however long right? That yeah. can feel really uncomfortable, really foreign mm -hmm. and yeah, maybe boring. Yeah. But I would agree with you. The like my practice with that and actually how I even came into this work with intuitive eating started with yoga. Mm -hmm. That was my catalyst yeah. <laughs> that brought me here. So yeah, I think it, it can just be like if you give it a chance, like a real yeah. chance, because sometimes yeah. you can be like, I meditated once, I hated it and never going to do it again. Mm -hmm. <laughs> it can be yeah. easy to write it off. Um, but yeah, there's a reason that a lot of people talk about these things because it can be such a, a shift. And I also want to normalize that if you can't settle in, sometimes that's even the symptom of a dysregulated nervous system, because yeah. I would lie on the floor trying to do these nervous system practices where I had to, you know, maybe focus on my left pinky for like 10 minutes mm -hmm. and I would jump out of my skin. Like there was no way I could do that. I would be rolling over to check the time. I'd be again, falling asleep. I'd be doing all these things. And it's only recently that I've found people who have language to describe what's actually happening. And I'm I'm excited to share some of their work, too, because they were normalizing that, again, if you sort of overwork as your norm, um, or even if you binge or do something like that as your norm, your coping mechanism, you can't just shut it off. You can't just turn it off and change it without doing some healing work to the system um, all together. Because yeah. it's all connected. Absolutely, for sure. And I think, you know, that um, example you were giving of like trying to focus on the pinky and like be there, but feeling so restless in that yeah. moment. I think something that's been maybe I'd say profound. I don't know if that's the word I'm looking for, but helpful for me in this like embodiment journey of my own is when I'm feeling that kind of way. It's like if, if I was feeling really restless to do something that I knew I wanted to do. Like I wanted to, I don't know, maybe it was some breath work or meditating or something. And I was, it was hard to get into for me. And I, I do practice that stuff. So sometimes when it's hard to get into, I'm like, what's going on? But mm -hmm. I can tap into that and be like, okay, I'm feeling restless. Like how could I embody more of that? And mm -hmm. that could even look like, like one of my favorite new practices for those types of feelings is like jumping around and shaking mm -hmm. it out. Like, like mm -hmm. I'm just going wild a little bit. And yeah that feels good to like embody and process through that feeling instead of being like, oh my God, I can't sit here anymore. I'm so restless. Like, ugh, like yeah. that kind of feeling doesn't feel good. Right. How do we and work with our bodies? Exactly. Yeah. And not judging it if that's the way you mm -hmm. feel. So even just acknowledging it, like I notice yeah. that I can't sit here right now. I notice that I feel like I want to squirm and move and wiggle. And again, mm -hmm. whether you do actually squirm and move and wiggle, at least acknowledging it and mm -hmm. not judging yourself for not being able to be still um, and just being curious. Like, I wonder what's going on. I wonder what's mm -hmm. making it so difficult to settle in right now. Um, maybe this isn't the practice I should be trying to do right now. What yeah. is it that makes me think I should be doing this right now? So mm -hmm. yeah, it's, mm -hmm. it's all sort of unwinding everything with that curiosity and that compassion. 
Yeah. Curiosity and not judgment. Yeah, yeah. <laughs> yeah for sure. Oh, I love that. This has been such a great conversation and I could continue talking about all this stuff because yeah. I love it. But as we're, you know, getting closer to wrapping things up, stuff like that, one other question, then this one might be kind of hard to answer, but one more that I would love for you to like kind of leave everyone off with is if you had a top tip or a top overarching tip for helping someone um, who might be feeling confused or lost on their intuitive eating journey, what would that, you know, recommendation or like top overarching tip be? Yeah. And I think it's that idea of expressing how you're feeling no matter what it is in the moment um, and finding a way to express it, whether it's movement, whether it's meditation, yoga, breath work, whether it's art therapy, whether it's tapping, whether it's havening, there are so many different ways we can let it out. I love tapping because of the setup mm -hmm. statement where you're saying, even though I feel restless and I don't know what's going on, I completely love and accept myself. And it's just getting into that allowance and acceptance that wherever I am right now is absolutely okay. And maybe something will shift and maybe there's something I can even do about it. But right now, this is how I feel. And, you know, just connecting with that without judgment and shame, because then you'll have some more clarity as to what your next steps are when you can stop putting that pressure on yourself to have it all figured out. Right. Oh, I love that. That is a perfect <laughs> overarching statement of finding some acceptance and how we're feeling and letting go of the shame and the judgment because that shame and judgment and, and that as a motivator isn't mm -hmm. going to be able to allow us um, to move forward in a way that's supportive. So yeah. yeah, I love that. And I love, you know, tapping and especially that like overarching statement that, you know, um, people use in tapping. And if anyone's like tapping, what's tapping? We're talking about um, <laughs> if anyone wants to look it up, it's yeah. EFT tapping. Yes. <laughs> so you can look that up if you're at all curious of like, what is that? Yeah. Um, but yeah, thank you so much, Elizabeth. I am so um, grateful that you have come on and shed light onto these awarenesses that everyone can kind of keep an eye out or maybe question of like, am I is this my part of my experience or like, how is it, how might this be showing up for me and really like getting curious about all of those things. So yeah. Thank you and for having me on the show. I, I really appreciate course. talking about these things. Absolutely. Yeah. And before I let you go, I have mm -hmm. some um, fun wrap up questions for you. Um, the first one being since this is the intuitively you podcast, and I'm sure we kind of touched on some of these things already. But if you could sum up how you like to practice living intuitively in your life, how would you say you do that? Yeah. And I would say I, I really do check in with myself um, mm. all the time. And, and that's, it took a long time and it's, you know, some days you forget and you go on autopilot, but it, it applies to everything, not just food. It, it applies to, do I want to wear this shirt? It applies mm. to, do I want to read this book? Do I want to listen to this podcast? Um, just constantly kind of checking in to see what's the vibe, what's the energy, what's, 
how does that land in my body? How does that make me feel? Am I lighting up or am I closing down? Um, does it feel expansive or does it feel mm. like a should? Does it feel like I'm contracting? Mm. Um, and, you know, I'm still getting better at feeling the nuance of that, but that's definitely how I try to bring more intuitive living into my life in, in all areas. Yeah. Oh, I love that. Really just tapping into any kind of information that we can get and practicing hearing and listening and honoring all of the things. Yeah. Yeah. And so sometimes good. you're really good in one area and you're not so good in another. So oh, you yeah. might have to, totally. you know, I can be super intuitive in certain areas. And then again, like food has always been challenging for me because mm -hmm. I was so disconnected in that area. And that's why some places might just take a little longer, but it's entirely possible. Totally. Yes. And it's a journey for a reason. And I don't think there's ever really a end destination to some of these things. We're always learning new things about ourselves as, as we grow and evolve and progress and all that fun stuff. Yeah. Yeah. Cool. And then my other fun question for you is if you were a food based on your personality, <laughs> what food would you be? Um, and the, the thing that popped into my mind when I heard this question was, and this is kind of weird, I think was pomegranate. And the okay. reason that popped into my mind <laughs> is because like, I love pomegranate seeds and they're so sweet and tasty. And I love like spring them on salad, but they're really hard to get out of the stupid pomegranate. <laughs> and I feel like that's the way I am. Like I have a lot of sweet <laughs> ideas and a lot of things inside. And then it's a challenge for me to get them out. And sometimes mm. it's a challenge to unearth them and really get inside to that tender core because, you know, I've been defended and armored for so long that, mm. you know, it's something that I have to work on to open and soften and let that sweetness be shared. So, oh. That's so good. I've not had someone share a description <laughs> like that before. So <laughs> I love that one. We're pomegranate. Yeah, I'm a pomegranate. Yeah. yeah. Nice and round. <laughs> That's perfect. Yeah. And then, you know, we talked about this a little bit earlier. I briefly mentioned it, but I would love for you to um, share some details and, you know, get everyone excited for this. But tell us more about the Body Confident Woman Summit. Oh, I would love to. Yes, thank you. Um, so the summit is a virtual event that is going to be run from January 17th through February 1st. And each day... Uh, interviews are going to be released that will be live for seven days. And these interviews are with speakers that are all in this healing space of food and body. And they come from slightly different angles, but I reached out to people that all were coming from a certain angle that supported me on my journey. So um, one person might be talking about some personality awareness through the Enneagram, or someone else might be talking about IFS and how internal family systems and how that supports. I'm talking to you about the intuitive nutrition aspect and angle and bringing some woo and some spirituality into that conversation. I'm talking to doctors and coaches and therapists and nutritionists, and everyone's just bringing that energy and that vibe of we can do this and it's about compassion and it's not about fixing, nobody's broken but it's about how can we just shine even brighter if that's how we choose, if that's what we're interested in. 
Um, and how can we just let go of some of the layers of gunk we've been carrying around that mm. might be, you know, keeping us from being the full expression of who we are? Um, and I mean, these interviews just lit me up just recording them. So I'm so excited to share them. And I know, again, not every speaker is going to resonate with every person. Everybody's on a different journey. But I love this idea of just presenting the buffet of all these different options with the goal of really empowering people to feel good in their bodies. And then people can pick and choose and see what feels good to them. Um, and again, it's it's there'll be links shared where people can sign up for the summit and then they'll get emails telling them what videos are being released each day. And with each video, people are also offering free gifts, which are amazing. Some some speakers offered some of their programs for free. Mm -hmm. Others are offering parts of their books and different uh, practices and meditations and courses. And it's incredible the generosity that people have shown because everybody really wants to support others in feeling better. And it's such a beautiful message to be shared in January when mm. we get so many other messages that um, sort of take the wind out of our sails. I'm hoping to put some more wind in with this summit. Oh, oh I love that. Yeah, it is such good timing to be happening in January when diet culture can get loud and it can feel hard to connect to ourselves and our journeys to coming back to our inner wisdom and really working on a really, you know, good supportive relationship with food in our bodies. So I had so much fun you know, recording our talk. Um, and I can't wait to see what else is coming out in the summit, but I will definitely have a link in the show notes for anyone who's interested to go ahead and sign up. And then, yeah, like Elizabeth said, you could just have this buffet of what you can choose from and pick what your intuition is guiding you towards in terms of what feels um, like it's lighting you up and you're excited about it and you want to learn more about it and take away whatever nuggets, you know, work for you and your journey. So yeah, yeah I'm so yeah. excited for it. Yeah, me too. And thank <laughs> you so much for being a part of it because yeah. you helped make it happen. And I really appreciate that. Well, I appreciate you putting it all together for sure and inviting me in because I love, um, like you said, just like spreading the message of this stuff and being able to impact more lives. I think it's so important for us to have these conversations and to support and uplift each other along the way. So yeah, yeah. I'm so, yeah. so happy to be part of it. And yeah, we'll, we'll be excited to see whoever signs up for it, be there and tuning in and getting all the all the free goodness that comes along with it. <laughs> awesome. Thank you for sharing. Right. Of yeah. course. Absolutely. Um, and is there anything else that you would like to share, Elizabeth, maybe where people can connect with you or anything that you'd like to mention? Sure. Yeah. If anybody wants to reach out, I'm my email is elizabeth at elizabethhallcoaching.com. My website is elizabethhallcoaching.com and you can read a little bit more about me and what I do. And I really hope you sign up for the summit and just gift yourself that two weeks of tapping into this wisdom and compassion. And I hope to see you there. Amazing. Yeah, great. I will link all the things in, in the show notes and I'm excited to see everyone in the summit as well. Awesome. Thanks. Thank you. Thanks so much for listening to the Intuitively You podcast. 
You can find the show notes from today's episode along with all the takeaways at theintuitivenutritionist.com slash podcast. Let's connect on Instagram. You can find me at the.intuitive.nutritionist. Be sure to share and tag me when you're listening along. And if you're loving the podcast, I would be so honored for you to go ahead and hit that subscribe or follow button and leave a review. I'm so happy you're here and learning how to better your relationship with food, your body, and yourself. Until next time, keep on living intuitively you.